It is the 200 level episode 309, Mike Carpenter in the basement studio on a Sunday morning. And this might be one of the shorter podcasts because as you can tell, the voice is not 100%. It's been a weird week, actually been a weird couple weeks. The Texas game around overtime and then as I was going to bed that night, I started to feel a little bit off. Not bad, just off. And that has kind of persisted for a week and a half, two weeks now, where I never had a fever or anything that bad, but I never felt great either. And just last week when I started to feel normal again, last Tuesday, as I'm in my seventh hour class, my voice just starts fading. And I think, "Uh uh-oh, I've had this happen before. I guess it's laryngitis. It has to be. And uh, five days later, it is coming back. But it was to the point Wednesday where I, I couldn't talk. Thank goodness the kids were great. They understood. No issues with them, but uh, it's an issue if you're trying to podcast. So I do apologize that uh, this may not be the most pleasant sounding pod, but I will try to get through it and offer up what I've seen the last week, which has been a crazy week for Illini sports. Now, I want to start with football because I think ultimately the bigger news was still made with football. You know, the last podcast we did last Sunday was all about the press conference with Brad Underwood farting into the microphone. And we will get to Illinois basketball and the issues that are plaguing them right now. But with Illinois football, if you would have told me a week ago that we would lose Ryan Walters and Kevin Kane, I would have thought we're screwed. And I don't necessarily feel that way, though I need to start by saying Ryan Walters is as important as anybody to the turnaround for Illinois football. And the legacy that he's left behind in just two short years is that yes, Illinois football can actually have not just a very good, but a great defense. And that coaching does in fact matter because with Illinois football, I think we've lived most of our lives as fans wondering what is it plaguing this program when the answer is really as simple as you just haven't had good coaches and that they can really change everything. Brett Bielema is the most important of that, but the second most important was Ryan Walters. He was not a home run hire. A younger guy that had some success at Missouri, but they weren't exactly heartbroken to see him leave. And then in two short years, he turns this Illinois football defense from terrible into elite. I mean, that's no small task. And because of that, Illinois gets to an 8-4 and four record this year. Offense was improved, no doubt, but... The defense was the story. And I would like to think that the foundation and the building blocks have been put into place by Ryan Walters to allow this defense to continue to succeed. We will see with the new guy, Aaron Henry. As this news broke on Friday, I was at first a little bit, I don't know, I'm not shocked. That's not the right word. But I had not pondered the fact that they could just promote someone other than Kevin Kane. When the news came out that Kevin Kane was not going to be our defensive coordinator, I kind of freaked out. And I had shades of April 2021 with Illinois basketball when you lose all your assistants, Adam Miller transfers, and you're thinking, man, just when we finally arrived, it's all going away. And then Friday night, there was actually the stabilizing feeling when Aaron Henry was named because... It was all right there in front of us. You know, the idea that, oh, well, Kevin Kane isn't staying either, so therefore we're screwed. Well, who was the other possibility on that staff to take over? And it was Aaron Henry. Then I started thinking, well, this must be an intentional move by Brett Bielema. This 
this has to have some intent behind it other than, oh, Kevin Kane wanted to leave, so I guess I just need to name Aaron Henry as the guy. And as news began to trickle out, and including Brett Bielema speaking Saturday, this was a choice over Kevin Kane. I find that fascinating for a couple reasons. One, Brett Bielema's track record with defensive coordinators suggests that he knows what he's doing. The list of guys that he had under him at Wisconsin, from Dave Doran to Chris Ash to um, Leonard as well, who I know is rumored to be the other guy, and I would have been ecstatic with that. This is someone that has time and time again hit the defensive coordinator higher and hit it well. So for him to promote Aaron Henry suggests to me that there is something he sees in him beyond just what he says at the press conferences, which he speaks very highly of him, of course. He thinks that this is the next great coordinator, not to say Kevin Kane couldn't be. But I think that that to me is the most fascinating part of this, that Kevin Kane was brought in as the heir apparent from everything that we were told and everything that staff members seem to suggest. So what happened in those two years? Did Kevin Kane fall out of favor or did Aaron Henry just emerge as this rising star? I tend to think the latter. And that not just is he a really good coach, because you've seen what our defensive backs have done, and Aaron Henry is a huge part of that. But that he does have that it factor, and I think recruiting ability, where if you were to choose between Kevin Kane and Aaron Henry, the choice, at least in Bielema's eyes, was obvious. And as the last 48 hours have progressed, and I've kind of reflected on it, it makes a lot of sense to me. It really does. Aaron Henry, when you hear him speak, you get it. And you understand why that plays well with these young student-athletes and why they would want to play for a guy like that. And there is a presence and command that he has, and I can only imagine what it's like in the Smith Performance Center when he's talking to his defensive unit. I mean, Saturday, he already called plays in the practice that they held, and I got to think that the players are pretty excited because he is clearly a beloved guy in that locker room, just like Kevin Kane and Ryan Walters were, but... It does seem like if there's a guy that this defense can rally behind for the bowl game and beyond, Aaron Henry might have been that guy. Kevin Kane's going to be fine. He's going to go be the D coordinator for Ryan Walters, and whether he or Ryan is calling the plays, they are going to probably turn that defense around fairly quickly, even though the defense over there wasn't terrible, but they weren't great either. So I I don't think it'll be too much of a difficulty for Ryan Walters to turn that into a good defense. Um, But let's talk about Ryan Walters for a second. What he did here, I mentioned the two-year legacy that he left is going to be hard for any coordinator to ever match. And I don't think that's hyperbole. When you look at what he did and the turnaround, it's truly once-in-a-lifetime kind of stuff if you're an Illinois football fan. But Purdue is taking a risk. Any coaching hire is a risk. I get that. But they hired someone that's never been a head coach, 38-year-old guy that's only been a coordinator, Two really successful years at Illinois and some success before that. But anything to suggest that he's going to be a great head coach, great head coach, is still very much based on potential. And for a Purdue team that just won the Big Ten West and lost their coach to Louisville, going back home for Jeff Brom, understandably, I am a bit surprised at the overall praise being heaped on this hire because let's say the shoe was on the other foot. I mean, I would have been excited and just like any fan, talk myself into the potential of a Ryan Walters as head coach is very exciting, but that's still it, potential. 
There's no guarantee that it works over Purdue. I would be very surprised if it's an outright failure. But I also don't know if this is something that's going to be parlayed into massive success. Now, I would be remiss if I don't mention this. I I really hate Purdue. They are just a pain in my ass with both revenue sports. Football keeping you out of a Big Ten title game. Basketball seemingly having your number. I was watching the Purdue-Davidson basketball game yesterday and just oddly infuriated. Like, I usually am watching Wisconsin basketball. Purdue is on my crap list. And, at a, you know, there's a moment last week, and Trevor and I and Isaac were talking about this, where you knew that Illinois was going to be okay, and you knew that Ryan Walters was going to leave eventually. But there's still a little bit of a, are you kidding me? Really? Purdue? Of course. So there is a little bit of a, you've got to be joking me about this. But all that said, it is a position that there's no way Ryan Walters can turn it down. He's a Big Ten head coach. And it is deserved, but nothing proven yet. Those, those matchups will be fascinating when Bielema and Walters go head-to-head. And I think that Purdue might take a step back the next year or two. I, I don't think this is just going to be a, you know, slot Brian Walters in and then they continue the success that Brom had. Brom was a very good head coach for six years at Purdue. And considering their history, all the more remarkable because they were not good before he got there for the better part of a decade. And then for the better part of a decade when he was there, all of a sudden they were tough. So there, there's no givens. I understand that. Um, I wish him well, but then again, do I? It's not about him so much as I don't wish Purdue well. So that's why, dang it, Purdue, you, you took someone that I'm not going to pretend he was ours because he was here for only two years, but I can't root for the guy now because that would be just completely against every fiber in my being to root for Purdue football. I wasn't rooting for him against Michigan. I can tell you that. I don't, I don't need to see that. Um, I don't need to see a team that I feel we should be better than having more success than us. And I understand that's the jealous fan kind of talking here, but that's fandom. So as we sit here, a week removed from Ryan Walters taking that job, and it all happened pretty quickly, and there were rumors that he interviewed well and all this, I actually still feel very good about where this Illinois defense is. Andy Boo is still here as the linebackers coach and also a guy that's been a coordinator that can help maybe ease this transition. Brett Bielema is a fantastic defensive mind. He's going to help smooth those edges for Aaron Henry as a first-time play caller. Sounds like every other coach you're keeping. Bielema said that yesterday. I assume that includes Corey Patterson. That's pretty big. And now you go out and get a couple position coaches, outside linebackers and safeties. Jamison is still your defensive line coach. All that to say, I still feel pretty good about the direction of Illinois football. And that is short and long term. And I really do think the Aaron Henry hire, the more I think about it, the more I like it. And the more I know that this was a premeditated decision by Bielema, the more that tells me there is something to this guy. And it is worth elevating him past, you know, I think we assumed Kane was going to be DC and Henry would be assistant head coach, you know, they would bump him up in sort of title. The fact they accelerated this tells me that, no, he had proven over the last two years he was ready for this gig. And I'm excited to see what happens. I think it starts in the bowl game. I think the defense comes out inspired as hell, playing for Aaron Henry now, calling the plays for the first time. And uh, after the sponsors here, I want to get to the bowl game because 
I'm ready for that now. I'm ready to talk about this ReliQuest Bowl and, and, and the passing of Mike Leach, which we had not really talked about because he was sick when everything went down. Well, actually, now that I think about it, Jesus, all this happened last week. The last podcast I did, Mike Leach, that news was not out yet. So we got the, the bowl game to talk about against Mississippi State. We, we had Chris Beard you know, choking out his fiance. We had the weirdest week, and on top of that, I couldn't talk for three days, and I'm still getting back. So let's hit all these things up. But first, got to thank the sponsors. The 200 Levels brought to you by dpdo.com. For all the best deals and prices, dpdo.com. They deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. So give them a call today. Order online at dpdo.com. Custom zones with any topping you want or some of their favorites like the Maui Wowie or the Buffer Zone. That is dpdo.com. Rector Construction online at R-E-C-T-O-R construction.com. These guys are expert craftsmen, great customer service, and they're also great at giving back to the community. As a townie, I appreciate that. Get a free quote on your next home exterior project by going online to rectorconstruction.com. Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing. It's going to be that time of year. You want to make sure your furnace is tip-top as the cold temperatures continue. So go and give them a call today at 217-841-4728 for Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing, your home's best friend. And finally, State Farm Agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. Life, auto, home, business, renters, you name it, Brian is my guy, and he can be your guy as well at brianismyguy.com. Alana Inquirer and the Champagne Showers Podcast Network. Partners with the 200 level. God, I'm going to try to gut this out, everybody. I apologize. It just sounds probably like garbage. And uh, man, every minute that goes by, I'm just losing losing voice here. Now, Thursday night, we will be here for a live pod for Illinois, Missouri. We'll get to basketball in a little bit. Um, I, I think they win the bragging rights game. I'm still high on this team. But they can be frustrating, and we'll get to all that. But back to football here. Started the show talking about Aaron Henry the promotion, how excited I am for it. I think it makes a lot of sense and that we will see how the two position coaches spots on defense are filled. I'm I'm sure they will be filled with very qualified dudes. And I think the balance there will be between recruiting, which you're going to see Aaron Henry probably take a less active role in that, according to Brett Bielema and the development that you saw from guys like Walters and Kane. I mean, that was really the piece that, made those two guys indispensable was the development. Kane worked with outside linebackers. So you had, uh, what, Owen Carney last year. You had Seth Coleman this year. Gabe Backus as well. Turned into absolute beast. Isaiah Gay being another one. And then you had Ryan Walters in the safety position, which was just off the charts. So with those two guys leaving, you will need to get good developmental pieces. But also, you're going to need recruiters to counteract what I would imagine would be a decent recruiting combo between Walters and Kane. As they go up to Chicago, let's say, and try to recruit some good defenders, how do you counter that? Now, the bowl game is approaching. We are, what, um, three weeks away? Two weeks away? Two weeks away, essentially, from the bowl game. And the last podcast we did, Mike Leach, there was no news about him being sick. It was actually Sunday evening when that came out, when he was rushed to the hospital. And I think he passed on Tuesday or Wednesday. And, you know, tragic news. I had made reference in a previous podcast that I wasn't a big fan of his shtick, but Jesus, um, <laughs> that was assuming that we were going to be able to have fun going back and forth about Bielema, Mike Leach, two personalities as coaches, and, and that build up to the Rely Quest Bowl. And we don't get that now. It just sucks that um, someone that's only 61 years old 
and unequivocally one of the guys who changed college football, and I would argue for the better because offense in college football nowadays is so much more exciting than it used to be, and he's as important to that as anybody. So now you got a Mississippi State team, and you know it's, it feels almost shallow to talk about the game, but as time passes, there is still a game to be played, and Mississippi State is electing to play it. You got a Mississippi State team that will be hungry, and I understand the inclination to think that that will be the mental edge they need to win that game, perhaps. But let's not discount the fact that their head coach isn't there anymore, and you can be as pumped up, and and let's go win one for coach as you want to, but if your head coach isn't there and the game drags on, you keep looking over the sidelines for the guy that used to be the one that figured things out. I go last year to Illinois and Iowa. I know this is apples and oranges, but you know, Bielma's out for COVID and you hang in there, but ultimately there were points in that game where it would have been nice to have the head coach on the sidelines and not saying that would have been the difference between winning and losing that game, but it wouldn't have hurt and it certainly would have helped. And, and I do think that plays a role in that game. I think Steve Spurrier Jr. will be calling the offense. I mean, that's not Mike Leach calling an offense, which is always a scary proposition. And then defensive coordinator Arnett, I forget his first name, he's going to be the interim head coach. So, of course, they're going to be inspired and ready to play, but I, I don't want to discount the fact that Illinois is going to be fairly inspired as well. And as a team, how do you approach this? Well, I think you probably pay your respects in whatever way you can. Maybe that's a patch on the uniforms. Maybe that's um, some sort of pregame warm-up. I remember Illinois basketball wearing a, a shirt for Virginia and the three football players that had gotten shot before they played back in November. So there are ways that you can honor it, but you still need to keep whatever edge you need to go out there and win a football game. And if it comes down to Brett Bielema and his staff versus an interim head coach, I like Bielema. Now, we need to consider that there will be a couple guys not playing that we know of so far. And this came out yesterday. Unsurprisingly, Sidney Brown and Devin Witherspoon are going to sit out the bowl game. Witherspoon, I 100% understand as a possible first round pick. And now Sidney Brown, the more I reflect on it, you know, his life story and, and every sacrifice his mom had to make for him and Chase, it makes a lot of sense. He's come too far to all of a sudden risk it, however small that risk may be, because we're talking Sidney Brown mid-round pick, right? Maybe a third-round pick. I think when he goes through the combine, there will be some teams that really like what he does. And while it's not Russian roulette, and there is far less than one in six chance that you get hurt in one of these situations, he is in that precarious spot where an injury knocks him to probably just straight up undrafted. And that is a potential loss of millions. Now, with this whole opting out of bowl games. It's one of those, I get it, but I don't like it. And when I say I don't like it, it's not a personal thing. It's not me pointing fingers at players and saying, ah, how dare you? You're letting your team down. That That's a debate that I'm not comfortable having because I didn't have the skin in the game like these guys did in the first place. But as a fan, I think it's fair to say, yeah, it kind of sucks. I'm still excited for the game. I, I'm excited to see Matthew Bailey get an entire game's worth of reps to that Sidney Brown spot. And see some of these young corners try to step in for Witherspoon. It's not always going to be pretty, but I think that's invaluable for next season, and I still think you can win the game without those two. Then it becomes a question who else is going to opt out, and this is where things get interesting to me, specifically Chase Brown. And this is not so much a question of Chase Brown deciding, do I opt out or not, but also, does he return? 
And there seems to be this gathering smoke behind that from a myriad of sources that suggest that Chase is kind of waffling on this. And even Bielma yesterday said, you know, we're in discussions about that. And I actually think it makes a lot of sense for Chase to come back for a few reasons. One, I don't see him on any draft boards. And maybe I need to look harder, but you're probably looking at a fifth, sixth round pick. Running backs are just not the hot commodity they used to be. He will have to work his way to make a team. And at that point, you get a third string running back position. How much are you making? If you're on the practice squad, how much are you making? Meanwhile, he could come back here. And if the name image likeness package is attractive enough, make more money and try to push a Heisman campaign, which you could say, well, running backs don't do that very often. That's true. But if we solidify the offensive line and get a good quarterback transfer in here, which is made all the more attractive if you are able to keep chase a quarterback and say, I'd love to play with him. Then all of a sudden you're, you're moving towards that spot where chase Brown is preseason big 10 player of the year where chase Brown is on the Heisman watch list. And maybe you have that one season that vaunts you to a third round pick or better. Cause right now it's not a guarantee. And while it would never be a guarantee and I know running backs have a short shelf life as it is, if you can make a million dollars coming back versus a hundred thousand by being on a practice squad, to me, the choice is pretty clear. Would not fault him if he goes, would not fault him if he doesn't play the bowl game, though I'd really love to see him. And boy, would that change everything. Imagine waking up on January 2nd to watch that bowl game, whether you're in Tampa or not, knowing you're going to watch Chase Brown and oh, he's coming back. To me, the entire complexion of next season would change because then you have a given at running back and knowing Brett Bielema's track record, when he has a good running back, he tends to have good teams. You wouldn't be worrying about some sort of drop-off like you would be in a post-Chase Brown season. So there's a lot to play out here from Chase's decision to who do you get a quarterback don't know about the DeVito waiver thing. I don't know how long you can drag that out. That would be ecstatic if that happened, but what are the odds? Probably not good. So here we are on December 18th as I record this, and despite some of these bits of uncertainty, even today they get a three-star Juco cornerback to commit. His last name's Patterson. Kevin Patterson, maybe. But regardless, you're starting to see this staff has an innate ability to recognize where are the holes in the roster and they attack those positions and they bring guys in. They do not waste time. So I get the feeling the next time I log on to do a podcast with hopefully a better voice, there's going to be a lot more certain about the 2023 roster and certainly more we're going to know about who's playing in that bowl game. All right, so we're going to keep this podcast short and sweet because the voice is not sweet today and we need to talk about Illinois basketball and a, a disappointing day against Alabama A&M which unfortunately the post-game press conference yet again was the story Matthew Meyer made comments which seemed to indicate an internal conflict and of course he came out about two hours later on Twitter saying all is good and yada 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 and I have a few thoughts about this one let's start with Underwood whatever buttons he pushed last week did not take the huffing and puffing which I thought well It's worth a shot because they were so flat against Penn State. That did not resonate. And now he's got to figure out a different approach. You you can only run so many suicides in practice before the players eventually say, ah, screw this. 
That's just the nature of the game now. And he needs to figure out that balance between being the hard ass and when to ease up. Now, when it comes to Underwood, I'm still a big fan. I mean, this guy almost, I won't say single-handedly, but he is the primary reason why this program is back to relevancy. You could say players like Iowa and Kofi, of course, but who was the one that got them along with the supporting cast that vaulted Illinois to a number one seed in the tournament, a Big Ten championship, Big Ten tournament championship? You know, this is a turnaround like we've never seen before because, you know, Lou Henson, he, he had that turnaround as well. Um, but for younger fans, Bill Self didn't have to turn anything around. Bruce Weber inherited a golden goose. Yeah, this is different. So I, I am one of those that is very biased towards Underwood because of that. Because I remember what Illinois basketball used to be. And then I had to live through all the doldrums. And now that we're back, I appreciate it immensely. That my winters are that much more fun again. But there's no doubt that sometimes he rubs people the wrong way. And when I say people, that could be anything from the fans who think that he's just kind of a curmudgeon or, or you know, goes too hard and is too much of a grouch, huffing and puffing, like I said yesterday, or in some cases, I guess, players. Now, Mark Smith was an early example of that as someone that committed and then after one year said, I can't do this, and then went to toil in relative obscurity at Missouri and then Kansas State. And I don't know if any of us truly missed Mark Smith because for lack of a better word, he was kind of soft. And I think that sometimes, you know, people are, are leery to say that about these younger kids, but I'm sorry, in this name image likeness era, I'm not, I'm not going to shy away from saying that kid just needs to toughen up as a teacher. I mentioned this a podcast or two ago, and I think the last one after the fart noise press conference, I am less sympathetic to the let's coddle these young individuals when oftentimes there needs to be structure, there needs to be discipline and accountability, whatever other buzzwords you want to use. And Underwood is that type of coach. So while there are issues to speak of, I'm still pro Underwood. So let's just set the, the context there. So the next part isn't too surprising when I say, Matthew Meyer's little press conference performance, watching it and listening to it, was kind of lame. I'm going to use that word and not a stronger word because I want to empathize with the fact that he is one of the best players on the team right now. He's part of the reason that you won yesterday in the way that you did because without him, you were just sitting there with a one-point lead before he went off. Thank goodness he did. Thank goodness he's on this team. The guy has a winning pedigree, so I don't want to completely throw this kid under the bus when his track record suggests he's pretty damn good and he knows more tournament success than Brad Underwood does, right? However, what happened in the press conference yesterday, and if you want to go back and watch it, I think the body language speaks more than the words. Matthew Meyer is just sort of, I don't know, you know, arms up in the air, kind of looking down, just shaking his head. Yeah, things are rough. Coach doesn't like my fasting. We have internal conflicts. And for some reason, I couldn't shake this thing that I kept going back to. Matthew, you got a bag of money to come play here. Shut up. Now, you might say, Jesus, Carp, talking about a 22, 23-year-old kid. First off, not a kid, young man, making a lot of money to play basketball. And in my mind, he is passing through. 
This is his little, apparently in his mind, purgatory before he goes to play pro ball because he's clearly not having a good time. And he might not be the only one not having a good time because I looked on the bench yesterday and they look freaking miserable. But this is year six of Brad Underwood. What the hell did he expect he was walking into? Did he either not do his homework or not actually have conversations with Underwood or players that had played for Brad Underwood? He could be right now at UNC playing for Hubert Davis and maybe having a better time. Is he thinking he made a mistake now? Maybe so. But while you might call me a hypocrite for saying, well, I don't mind Brad Underwood's little performance last week, and in in some ways I don't because the team just sucked and he called it like it was, well, Carp, wouldn't it be hypocritical for you to then say that Matthew Myers' press conference performance was not the right thing to do? You would have a point that I understand how that could be hypocritical, of me, but even if this were professional sports, take Zach Levine and the Bulls right now. Zach Levine can't shut his mouth about how pissed off he is at Billy Donovan, despite the fact that Zach Levine ain't playing all that great. And while Matthew Meyer is playing very good right now, there are also moments where he completely disappears as well. There are moments like yesterday where he just doesn't call out a screen and Sincere Harris gets blindsided for the second time, probably concussed, who knows, he didn't go back in the game. So I like Matthew Meyer. I'm glad he's on the team. But when you get this fifth-year senior passing through, collecting the paycheck to play basketball here, sorry, kid, but that doesn't sit well with me. Now, what what should he do, you might ask? I mean, what, what would be the alternative? Not airing that laundry in that way, perhaps. Okay, Brad Underwood called out Terrence Shannon and the lack of leadership. He called out everybody's lack of leadership, which, if you're watching on the court, certainly looks that way, right? I also don't mind the fact that Matthew Meyer has a bit of an edge and did look at points yesterday like a leader in those last 10 minutes. That's great. I would love for that to continue. But it sounded like a mutiny. And Terrence Shannon, meanwhile, was uncomfortable as hell. What it kind of reminded me of was back in 2005 when Mike Myers and Kanye West we're doing that Hurricane Katrina benefit. And Kanye says, George W. Bush doesn't care about black people. And Mike Myers, his face, he could have just sunk into the floor. He didn't know where to go or what to do. And that was kind of what Terrence looked like yesterday when Matthew Meyer was going on his little rant. I, I guess I just don't understand what he was hoping to accomplish. Getting Brad Underwood to change, maybe. And maybe Brad Underwood's going to take his foot off the gas pedal a little bit if that's what works for this team. But I'm sorry, I couldn't help but go back to this, Matthew, shut the hell up. Who are you? You're here for one year. You're a free agent. You don't have the skin in the game like some other players on this team or, you know, sorry, the fans. Let alone Brad Underwood, who's been here six years and turned this thing around. So it's this weird position to be in where now you're forced to choose sides between Brad Underwood, the mercurial head coach that is more pissed off than he's been in a few years, or Matthew Meyer, who is the hot shooting transfer from Baylor that has more tournament success than your head coach, admittedly, right? It's this weird choosing sides thing, but unfortunately, it shouldn't have to be that at all. 
if we're talking leadership, right, we can't really compare a coach and a player, whether it be professional or college. I think these players should have all the rights in the world, and I'm glad Matthew Meyer is getting paid. He deserves to get paid. However, there is still the relationship between a coach and a player. It's not equal. A player does not get to talk to a coach in a certain way, just like a student doesn't get to talk to a teacher or a kid doesn't get to talk to their parent like that, right? So I I think it's really stemming from that, this discomfort that I have or this ickiness I have with Matthew Meyer responding the way that he did. It's, it's half get over yourself and half who the hell do you think you are? Now, Matthew Meyer, whether it's in the NBA or overseas is going to have a long professional career he's going to make a living playing basketball and there's a lot of season left where he may ultimately make his mark in Illinois basketball history I I could totally still see that happening by the way this team is still loaded and they will make some noise but what it did was open up this oh god is there internal conflict and I agree with Derek when he says the vibe isn't great yeah that's true the vibe isn't great Teams have been able to get over that, and I hope this one does, because if not, it's going to be a frustrating year. But also, it puts other players in a position where now they need to defend Underwood. Coleman Hawkins comes out yesterday. All's good, man. You got you media people are crazy, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing. By the way, Coleman sucked yesterday. Again. The likes of the UCLA first half, and people get so pissed off when I call that out. He was so passive shoot the ball, and then when he finally did, guess what? He made a three late in the game. He started attacking the rim. He can be so good, and yet he had one of his brain fart games. But of course, he comes out as, uh, I think he needs to do this as a leader or you know, third-year player on the team. He needs to come out and say something like, oh man, you media don't know what you're talking about. Bull crap. Your teammate just put all of you in a bad position now. Where the entire week leading up to Missouri, it's going to be about the internal conflict because Matthew Meyer and his little fasting habits that Brad Underwood is like, what? What are you doing? Is that it? Brad Underwood says, hey man, I'd prefer you have some like food in your stomach and Matthew Meyer's like, no, let me be, okay. That can be done behind closed doors. I, I understand the dichotomy here and why people would say, Carp, Jesus. Underwood just made a fart noise in a press conference last week and you're pissed off at Matthew Meyer for this. I'm pissed off at the fallout of this as much as I am anything that Matthew Myers said. And I do think we need to admit there is a difference between a coach and a player saying it. That's just the nature of that relationship. A student can't go to a teacher and say, yeah, you're, you're teaching style. Hey, listen, you might be the best student in the world, but you're still a student. You might be the best basketball player in the world, but I'm still Phil Jackson, right? <laughs> Now, does respect have to be earned? Of course. If Underwood's going in there and losing the respect of his team, that's one thing. I somehow doubt it's gotten to that point. But now this just opens up that Pandora's box. Now, to shift this back to Underwood and his responsibility, now it is all about how does he right the ship and get this thing level again? Because even if it's just perception, It's the old adage that perception is reality. If we are perceiving there to be something not right with this team, it is impossible for it to not somehow filter down into how they feel in the locker room. They all know what Matthew Meyer said yesterday. 
it's a team of 12 college kids that some are closer than others. Some might actually have some some beef with one another. These are 18 to 22 year olds with massive egos. So there's going to be personality conflicts. Well, does this fester and splinter things or does this somehow bring them together? I don't know. Both of those are cliche results. And I think it's probably going to be somewhere in between where this team is going to have fissures throughout the year, but their talent will overcome a lot of it. I want this to be a great reclamation story where by the end of the year, all right, they came together, everything was feeling great. This team, I still think, needs to make the second weekend of the tournament to really get people feeling 100% comfortable with Underwood. And I'm mostly there. But this has been a weird week following a great non-conference where you have two marquee wins. And the UCLA win is looking better and better and better. And will continue to. So Thursday night, we'll learn a lot more, right? Post-winter storm, because it looks like looks like Thursday is going to be pretty rough. Um, I hope that we can celebrate a Bragg and Rights victory. I really do. Um, but if not, I think all of a sudden the noise ratchets up even more. And to a level that I don't frankly want to deal with as a podcaster or as a fan, I would prefer to avoid that altogether. I'm sure Brad Underwood too. Um, and I got to think that the environment down there, this team has played great in neutral sites. They have played really well in those neutral site crazy environments. And really, that's all that matters in March. And they seem to play to the level of whatever that moment is. They did not put a lot of value in that Penn State game. That's the one thing that worries me. Missouri is not scary on paper, but they're good enough. They can win this game. Far worse Missouri teams have beat Illinois teams before, and you can't sleepwalk through it. I don't think they will, but we've seen enough now to at least leave that possibility out there. Let's hope they respond well, because if not, that's going to be a bad, angry podcast. Hopefully by then I can actually talk normally. I apologize again for this voice. I'm going to wrap it up quick and try to save it. DPDO online at dpdo.com. Rector Construction online at rectorconstruction.com. And also, gosh, let's see here. Sorry, Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing. 217-841-4728. That's Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing, your home's best friend. Uh, State Farm Agent Brian Hanson online at brianismyguy.com. All right. Thank you guys for tuning in. I appreciate it. I will try to get this voice back 100%. It's been very frustrating. Um, I think it'll be back. It's just been a lot tougher of a road than I thought it would be, despite all the tea and the cough drops and all that crap. I'm so sick of tea and honey. You have no idea. (laughs) But please stay healthy. Stay safe. We'll see what this winter storm is like later this week. Um, It will probably be a snowbound bragging rights if you are traveling down there. Please travel safe. And uh, we will talk to you later this week. In the meantime, take care, everybody. It is the 200 level. 